Please open up your copies of God's Word to Romans chapter 14. Today we're looking at the last half of Romans chapter 14, verses 13 to 23. And you might remember that this section of Romans has been an extended commentary on Jesus' command that we love one another. In chapter 12, we saw the nature of love. And in chapter 13, we discovered that love must be submissive. And now in chapter 14, we're learning that love must be patient and tolerant of other people's views. The Lord has been teaching us in this chapter that there is diversity among us, and yet we must strive for unity. So with that introduction, we'll read Romans chapter 14, beginning at verse 13. I'd remind you, this is God's holy and inspired word. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Let's pray. Lord, you have been teaching us valuable lessons in this chapter, lessons about truth, lessons about patience, lessons about love, lessons about self-sacrifice. Lord, we do pray that you would help us today to hear your voice. Lord, you know each of our lives and the places we're in You know what's going on in each of our lives and how uh, these things apply to our situation. So Lord, we ask that you would take your word and the preaching and that you would show us, each of us, how this applies to us. Lord, we'd ask for your grace that we would have ears to hear. We'd ask this in Jesus' name and for his glory's sake. Amen. 
Well, many of you know, a little over two years ago, I found myself uh, facing the daunting task of packing up everything that I owned and putting my house on the market and preparing to move across the country. And if you've moved, you know that moving can be stressful. It can be super stressful. And I remember looking at all of uh, the appliances and other large items that I needed uh, to move and asking myself, how am I going to move all of those downstairs? The house I lived in, um, the main quarters was upstairs. And so everything had to be moved uh, downstairs. I remember thinking, why do you own so many books? I own a lot of books. It was a lot. Use small boxes, right? A lot of books. Um, and word spread. Word spread that I needed uh, help with these large items. And I was so grateful for people who sacrificed of themselves, put, put down their own days and their own schedule, were willing to uh, drive over to my house and invest a day or a half day helping me to move some of these very large things. I, I, couldn't be, I couldn't help but be moved by their incredible generosity and the selfishness um, of, of their actions. And in that moment, I realized the impact of showing love to others, just as Paul urges us to do here in Romans chapter 14. In our passage, Paul urges us to embrace love in our actions. He emphasizes the importance of showing consideration towards others. You see, he wants us to foster peace and to be thoughtful with regard to how we, how you hold your convictions. Verse 19 is a a great summary verse for us. Paul says, so then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. And you'll see that Paul begins by urging us not to judge one another, but instead to show compassion and to avoid causing offense. Walking in love means considerate conduct. That's our first heading, considerate conduct. I found... Um, I found technology, it's been um, both a blessing and a curse, right? It's great to be able to uh, look up a restaurant just on the fly, hit, give me directions, start, and be able to just go, or to be able to uh, make a call or to receive a call just about anywhere uh, anywhere that you are. But sometimes uh, technology can be a negative as well. Uh, Phones tend to bring us together, but they also tend to uh, keep us apart. I remember one time being at a restaurant um, and looking over at a table across for us, and there was a couple there, and they were sitting across from one another, and one of them looked so lonely, and they were just sitting there eating. They might as well have been uh, all by themselves because the person across the entire time was uh, consumed with their phone as they were eating, and I, I remember thinking, Put your phone down. Put put your phone down. Talk to that person that's across from you. Be considerate. We need to be careful about our conduct, and we need to be considerate of others. No doubt you've you've seen this as we've tried to figure out 
the right use of the phone and, and not be consumed by them, right? And, and we can see that in our passage, Paul wants Christians to be considerate of other members in the church. In verse 13, he writes, therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. He's summarizing what he's told us at the beginning of chapter 14 regarding the weak and the strong believers. And he continues, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. He wants the Christians in Rome to be thoughtful and considerate. He wants them to start thinking about their brothers and sisters in Christ. Do you remember who the weak and strong believers are from the last time we, are, uh, we were together talking about this passage? The weak believers are the ones with a misinformed conscience. They believe that the Old Testament food laws, as well as the feasts, were still binding And the strong believers are the ones who have an informed conscience. Their minds have been shaped and instructed and informed by the word of God. They understood that the food laws and the feast days of the Old Testament were fulfilled in Christ and that they were no longer binding. In verse 13, Paul says, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Notice, notice the choice of words that Paul uses. He, he calls us to have a conscious or to make a conscious effort to avoid causing harm or offense to fellow believers. A stumbling block is something that causes another person to trip or fall. He's talking about a stumbling block that causes someone to trip into sin or to fall out of the faith. The word stumbling block in the original Greek is proskama, and it emphasizes something unintentional, an unexpected obstacle in the path. Maybe you've discovered Uh, one of those making your way to the bathroom at night. You're walking down the hall and you trip over a toy or maybe you trip over some shoes that were um, left out in the walkway. The point is, don't be careless. He's telling us, don't, don't leave that toy or those shoes in the walkway. Think about what you're doing. Think about your actions. Think about the things that you say and that you do and that you post. Carelessness can lead someone astray or cause them to stumble out of the faith. But Paul also uses the term hindrance, doesn't he? This is the Greek word skandalon. It can refer to something that is deliberately placed to trip someone up. For example, a believer may deliberately pressure or coerce a fellow believer into violating their conscience. They might pressure someone into doing things that person believes to be sinful or inappropriate. 
Think about the context of this passage. Some people wrongly believe that they need to keep the Old Testament food laws. What if some of the believers there pressured and coerced them into doing it? They still wrongly, they still believe that it's wrong, even though they're incorrect about that. But they push them into doing something they think is sinful. Another deliberate action that could cause stumbling is mockery or ridicule directed toward those who hold different convictions and practices in ours. Sadly, we see some of this online. If you're intentionally, if you intentionally mock or belittle others over things like certain dietary restrictions or observance of specific days, in the case of the church at Rome, it could undermine their confidence and cause them to doubt their faith and feel excluded from the church. That kind of behavior, behavior would directly oppose Paul's exhortation to show consideration and love towards one another. We should live our Christian lives in a way that avoids doing anything that could harm the faith of those who are still learning and who are still growing as believers. We need to be kind and considerate, allowing people time that they need to mature in the faith. Just like the Lord Jesus has been with us. I don't know about you, but he has been extremely kind and gracious and patient with me. We're called to be like our Savior. Paul gives us the rationale behind this call for careful living in verse 14. He writes, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. Paul tells the strong that they're correct regarding food. Saying that all food is kosher is following Jesus' teaching. The food laws of the Old Testament have been fulfilled. You can eat anything. But while the strong are correct, Paul tells them to consider the consciences of others. Again, give weaker brothers and sisters room, give them some time to grow. And never flaunt your freedom. Consider verse 15. Paul writes, For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. You should walk in love. Love has regard for the weaker brother or sister's consciences. Love is willing to limit its own liberty. It's willing to put down its freedoms. Love avoids doing anything that would cause harm or discourage a fellow believer. Love recognizes that Christ died for them and values their spiritual welfare above their own desires. 
Walking in love means prioritizing the well-being of our fellow believers over our own desires and freedoms. When our actions cause distress or hurt to others, we're no longer acting in love. Instead, we're called to cultivate peace within the Christian community. Cultivate peace. That's our second heading. Cultivate peace. If you've worked close to me for any period of time, you'll learn something about me. I like to have things in order. Uh, When things aren't in order, uh, I, I can't think right. And so the first thing I do when I get to work is I unpack my bag and I get everything laid out and I get everything in, cor- in order just, just so, just so. And then I can start to think and then I can uh, be productive in my work. Well, Paul wants us to walk in love and to be considerate of others. And he also wants us to pursue what makes for peace. And as the text continues, he tells us how to pursue it. The first thing he does is remind us that we need to keep things in order. I love it. (laughs) We need to get our priorities straight. We need to realize that some things are more important than other things. Draw your attention to verse 16. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. In verse 16, Paul warns us not to make a show of our convictions especially regarding matters we know are controversial in the church. But Paul's primary emphasis lies in verse 17. He highlights the true essence of the kingdom of God. He says that the kingdom of God is not primarily about external practices such as eating and drinking, but rather it's about internal qualities of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's a a matter of the heart. Paul's point is that while debates over things like dietary restrictions may arise in the church, the core of Christian living lies in cultivating righteousness, peace, and joy through the presence and work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now listen, this is, this is important counsel for us. We need to recognize that debates are going to be present in the church. Debates are going to be present in the church. They're going to be present whether they occur in our local body or in the broader church, whether that's in our presbytery or in our denomination or outside in the broader church. And when these debates arise, it's essential for us to examine our hearts and our practices, our priorities. 
Instead of getting caught up and discouraged about debates within the church, you should prioritize cultivating righteousness and peace and joy and your relationship with the Lord. Especially when you're starting to feel yourself shaken. Come back to the Lord. Sit at his feet and receive his peace. He knows what he's doing in the church This means seeking to live lives that reflect God's righteousness. It means actively pursuing reconciliation within the church and pursuing the joy that comes from having a deep relationship with God. By centering your attention on the foundational aspects of Christian living, you can navigate debates and disagreements in a manner that honors God and promotes unity within the church. Paul directs us to align our thinking with God's perspective. In verses 18 and 19, he continues to point out the importance of living in a manner pleasing to God and fellow believers. Consider verse 18. He writes, Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God, and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. We'll find peace in our lives comes more readily when we're close to the Lord. We'll find that our lives are more at peace and pleasing to God when our priorities are in line with his word. And Paul urges us to pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. He's advocating for intentional efforts to promote harmony and unity within the church. You might ask, what can I do to pursue mutual upbuilding in the church? What can I do to pursue peace? And does this even apply to me anyways? Who am I? But it does apply to you. This is written to the entire church. It's not just written to pastors and elders and leaders of various sorts. No, it's written to the church. It's written to you. This applies to you. Start by prioritizing communication to resolve conflict and differences of opinion. Instead of allowing disagreements to fester and escalate, you should seek opportunities to have a constructive conversation with someone that you are at odds with. You can also engage in activity of service that build up and strengthen your brothers and sisters. You can offer words of support and encouragement. Do you know with one simple little statement, you can turn around a person's entire day? With one encouraging word. You can brighten their day and change everything, especially for someone who may be struggling or who's in need of reassurance. Acts of kindness and compassion towards others not only demonstrates Christ's love and action, but also contribute to the overall growth and well-being of his people. 
Additionally, you can participate in activities that promote your spiritual growth and maturity. This involves attending worship services regularly, sitting under the word of God preached. It's where it begins. You might also consider participating in small group studies or engage in discipleship relationships where you can learn from and support one another in your walk with Christ. By doing these things, you'll be instructing your conscience with the truth of God's word. That is so important to do. As disciples, we need to be working on that. Learning God's word so that our consciences are accurate. Knowing the Bible will help you to be able to discern what truths are essential and what truths are non-essential. We need to beware of thinking that everything is equally important. Understanding the essentials of our faith and discerning between what is crucial for salvation and what is a matter of preference is vital for navigating the Christian life. As our text continues, you'll notice that Paul emphasizes the importance of maintaining personal faith and conscience. He urges us to act in accordance with our convictions. In doing so, we avoid actions that may lead to doubt and we foster a confident conviction within us. Confident conviction. That's our third heading. Confident conviction. Have you ever done construction or maybe you've been part of a big do-it-yourself type of project like remodeling a kitchen, even, even if you've only observed, uh, you'll know that the demolition part of the work is relatively quick and easy. It's a little dirty, but it happens pretty fast. A crew comes in and they remove appliances, disconnect the plumbing, pull out the sink and countertops, and then they take out the cabinets, rip out the backsplash from the wall, and they may even remove the flooring and take down all of the light fixtures. And they do all of it within a matter of hours, half a day maybe. Then comes the slow, hard work of building, plastering, installing cabinets and hardware, fitting countertops and backsplash, painting, handling plumbing and electrical work, installing all of the fixtures and laying down the new floor. It could take weeks, even months to complete everything. It's a lot of labor-intensive work. Well, Paul has just reminded us about the importance of building up the church, But in verses 20 and 21, he warns us of how easy we could tear it down and destroy it. It could happen fast, too. Draw your attention to verse 20. 
Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. Paul's message is clear. As Christians, our duty is to build up and strengthen the church rather than causing harm by insisting on non-essential matters. Paul gives the strong some hard counsel here. He says not to prioritize your liberties over the well-being of others because it can cause significant harm to the church. You need to be willing to relinquish personal freedoms or liberties if they might cause a fellow believer to stumble. The point is that maintaining unity and avoiding division within the church is paramount. Avoid division. Maintain unity. Hear it. even if it requires sacrificing our own rights or preferences. This is hard. This is mature Christianity. Having the willingness to prioritize the well-being of others over your personal desires can be a challenging and painful sacrifice. It requires a lot of prayer, humility, selflessness, and a deep commitment to love and unity within the body of Christ. Paul further emphasizes this principle in Romans chapter 15, verse 1, where he encourages believers to bear with the failings of the weak, exemplifying Christ's sacrificial love in their relationships with one another. Let's take a sneak peek at the beginning of our next passage. Look at Romans chapter 15, verse 1. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. We have an obligation. We're to bear with the failings of the weak, exemplifying Christ's sacrificial love in our relationships with one another. Paul knows this is hard. And so he gives us some counsel in verse 22. He writes, The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. Paul highlights the blessing of maintaining a clear conscience in your actions. He says that the one who has no reason to pass judgment on themselves for what they approve is blessed. This suggests that when you act in accordance with an informed conscience guided by the word of God 
and the leading of the Holy Spirit, you can experience a sense of peace and confidence in your decisions. You can move forward with assurance knowing that you're acting with integrity and obedience to God without having to constantly question and doubt your choices. Paul's addressing the strong believers who have a firm and informed conviction about their freedom to partake in certain actions that might be perceived as controversial or disputed within the church. He recognizes that his counsel to prioritize love and unity over personal liberties may be challenging to accept. So he offers some practical advice to navigate this tension. He encourages believers to keep some of their convictions between themselves and God, suggesting that they should exercise discretion when exercising their freedom. Essentially, Paul is advising the strong believers to exercise their liberty in a way that doesn't cause unnecessary offense or division within the church. By exercising discretion and refraining from flaunting your freedoms in public settings, you can avoid potentially stumbling weaker brothers or sisters who may not share the same level of understanding or maturity in their faith. This discretion allows you to honor your personal convictions while also demonstrating sensitivity and love towards those who have differing views. But we need to be careful here. We need to exercise caution. In verse 23, Paul writes, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. This warning highlights the importance of having an informed conscience because actions not grounded in faith are considered sinful. In light of this, if you're uncertain about partaking in certain actions, you should refrain from proceeding any further. Instead, prayerfully seek guidance from God. Search the scriptures for wisdom and clarity. Seek the counsel of mature and godly individuals. By doing so, you can ensure that your decisions are rooted in faith and are aligned with God's will. This will help you avoid sin and honor God in your actions. In our passage, Paul exhorts us to embrace love by practicing considerate conduct toward others. He emphasizes the importance of showing compassion and avoiding offense to our fellow believers. We should remember that walking in love means prioritizing the well-being of others over our own desires as Christ himself demonstrated through his sacrificial love. Furthermore, Paul underscores the significance of promoting peace and mutual edification within the church. 
We're encouraged to prioritize actions that contribute to unity and spiritual growth, recognizing that the kingdom of God is not about external practices, but about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Lastly, Paul urges us to maintain our personal faith and conscience acting in accordance with our convictions while avoiding actions that aren't grounded in faith. Listen, it can be easy uh, to lose heart when you hear all of this and you reflect on your own life. In some ways, when we hear things like this, we're confronted with the law, aren't we? Because we're confronted what the scriptures are saying is an obligation. And then we look at ourselves and we see uh, the many ways we fail. So I encourage you to remember the words of verse 15 in our passage. Verse 15 reminds you that Christ died for your sins. It's applied to the weak, the ones that are confused the ones that have the scriptures a little bit wrong but are trying nonetheless to follow. Oh, it's for the strong too. Christ died for your sins. He is your righteousness. Praise God for the gospel. Continue to walk in love, cultivate peace, and maintain a confident conviction, always seeking to honor God in your thoughts, words, and actions. Amen. Lord, we would come to you, and we would ask for your help and for your forgiveness. Lord, we have been confronted at times with our pride and our arrogance. And Lord, we see this in the church. We're a people of your word. We're people seeking the truth, and truth matters. And yet we're in a lot of different places at times. Lord, help us to keep the right priorities, to always show love, to reflect the same kind of patience towards others as you reflect toward us. Lord, we want to be pleasing in your sight, and oh, how we need your grace. Pour out your spirit upon us, Lord. We are relying on you for our justification. We rely on you for our sanctification as well. Transform us, Lord. Do heart surgery. Change our wills. Change our minds. Give us a love and affection for you that we would pursue you and love others around us. We'd ask you to hear our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.